pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough, the hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us get going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under God. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but linen cloth about his body, and they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Good morning. So reading from Mark uh, chapter 14, starting at verse 53. And they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death but they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with my hands. And in three days, I will build another, not made with hands. Yet even about this, their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him, saying to him, prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him, and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. 
But again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly, you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. And I'll be reading from Mark 15, so continuing on. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answers, so that Pilate was amazed. Now, at the feast, he used to release from them, before them, one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had, been, uh, who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. Having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in a purple cloak and twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on him, and they began to salute him. Hail, the king of the Jews. And they were striking him in his head, on his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down before him in homage. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of his purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they led him away to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription on the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. 
Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that, in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Hoseas and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learnt from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph brought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene the mo and Mary, the mother of Jose, saw where he was laid. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jared and I'm the pastor here at HWC and it's great to have you here with us this morning. Uh, today is Good Friday and we are here to reflect on the sacrifice the Lord Jesus made on the cross. Uh, a lot of what we're thinking about this morning has to do with forsakenness. Uh, to be forsaken is to be left behind, abandoned, deserted. And maybe you've had times in your life where you've been left behind, abandoned or deserted. And it's a horrible feeling, isn't it? And while we can relate to feeling forsaken, Jesus was forsaken on Good Friday more severely than any of us have ever or will ever experience. This morning, we're going to see how Jesus was forsaken by humanity, forsaken by God, and forsaken to forgive. That's forsaken by humanity, forsaken by God, and forsaken to forgive. We begin, forsaken by humanity. There, there are a number of different people groups identified in the passages uh, which were read for us this morning. I don't know if you noticed some of those as we went along. 
So let's have a look at each one in turn and see their responses to Jesus. Firstly, we'll look at the Jews and particularly the religious elite. Jesus' own people, the Jews, they rejected him. On Thursday night, the Jewish ruling council conducted a dodgy trial with the evil agenda of putting Jesus to death. They gave false evidence, they lied, and despite their lies contradicting one another, they proceeded to condemn Jesus to death, to wrongly accuse him of blasphemy, to spit on him, to strike him, shame him and mock him. His own people, the Jews, and the well-respected elite, no less, treating Jesus with utter disdain. And he was silent, except for answering the question of whether he is the Christ affirmatively. Jesus is the unjustly tried Christ. And then on the Friday morning, they bound Jesus and handed him over to Pilate, the Roman governor of the area, for him to do their dirty work for them. The Jews didn't crucify people, but they knew who did. And so they delivered him to the Romans. And when Jesus was on the cross, they again mocked him and told, told him to, to come down from the cross and save himself. So by the Jews, Jesus was forsaken. The Gentiles, uh, the Roman elite. Pilate heard many accusations against Jesus from, from the Jewish religious elite, but Jesus said nothing again, uh, except for when Pilate asked Jesus if he's the king of the Jews, and Jesus answered affirmatively. Uh, at the time of the Passover, which is, which is this time, there was a custom where one prisoner would be released. Uh, Mark mentions a murderous rebel called Barabbas at this point, exactly the kind of guy you don't want to be roaming the streets. And Pilate asks the people, the crowds, if they want him to release for them the king of the Jews, the king of the Jews being Jesus. Uh, we're told that Pilate asked this because he'd perceived that uh, the motivation for the religious leaders handing Jesus over to him was envy. Pilate knew that the Jewish elite were not right in condemning Jesus. But in order to please the people, Pilate scourged Jesus, which is to beat him with a whip which had pieces of metal and bone in it. And he handed Jesus over to be crucified. Jesus is the unjustly condemned king. The soldiers that Jesus was handed over to mocked and crucified him. They put him in a purple cloak and made for him a crown of thorns, struck his head, spat on him, and kneeled before him, mocking him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They thought that Jesus was a laughingstock, ridiculous, pathetic. What kind of king goes to die on a cross? They already had a king, Caesar. And they mocked Jesus, thinking he was nothing more than a criminal, getting what he deserved, was what they thought. So by the Gentiles, Jesus was forsaken. Now we think about the crowds, the everyday people. It wasn't only the Jewish and Roman elite that rejected Jesus. When Pilate had asked the people, the crowds, whether they wanted Jesus to be released, they followed the chief priest's lead and they called for Barabbas instead. And when Pilate asked what to do with the king of the Jews, they yelled, crucify him. And when Pilate asked why, what evil has he done? They yelled all the more, crucify him. They wanted the murderous Barabbas released instead of the innocent Jesus. And when Jesus was on the cross, the crowds too cried out, the bystanders cried out, save yourself. By the crowds, 
Jesus was forsaken. The criminals, the robbers, the murderers, the rebels. Mark tells us that next to Jesus, on his right and on his left, uh, two robbers were crucified. These two wicked men deserved to be there, and yet even they reviled Jesus. They were on crosses themselves, yet they still despised and rejected him. By the criminals, Jesus was forsaken. Friends, disciples, and companions. So we've seen how society at large despised, condemned, and rejected Jesus. But now we see how his friends did too. Judas betrayed him. In exchange for 30 pieces of silver, the price for a slave, Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss, handing him over to those who would kill him. Peter denied him, despite promising to never deny Jesus. Peter denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed twice, just as Jesus said would happen. And the rest, who also had promised they would never leave him, deserted him, running away when Jesus was betrayed and arrested and seized. By his friends, Jesus was forsaken. So to sum that up, by the Jews, Jesus was forsaken. By the Gentiles, Jesus was forsaken. By the crowds, Jesus was forsaken. By the criminals, Jesus was forsaken. And by his friends, Jesus was forsaken. Imagine the devastation of such forsakenness. Everyone left them. From those high up in society, to the everyday people, to the wicked people, they condemned him to death. Even those closest to him abandoned him in his time of greatest difficulty. Our friends are the people we usually rely on when times get tough. But for Jesus, everyone left him. Even his closest followers deserted him. And the totality of this forsakenness is beyond comprehension. And yet there was an even greater forsakenness that Jesus endured. Which brings us to our second point, forsaken by God. You see, Jesus was not only forsaken by humanity, he was forsaken by God. Jesus was crucified at 9 a.m. And from midday to 3 p.m., darkness covered the whole land. At 3 p.m., Jesus cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani. And that's a quote from the first line of Psalm 22, spoken by Jesus in Aramaic. And the quote means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus did no wrong ever. He is perfect and innocent in every way. Uh, we see that in how he loved others, how he showed compassion and care, how he taught people and how he loved those society rejected. So we know for certain that he did not deserve this forsakenness. Jesus didn't deserve to be forsaken by humanity. He didn't deserve to be forsaken by God. But he willingly submitted to God the Father's plan. And we see his awesome love in doing so. Jesus didn't go to the cross because he deserved to be forsaken. No, Jesus went to the cross for other people who deserved to be forsaken. Aside from Jesus, each and every one of us falls short of the glory of God. We don't rightly relate to him, to one another, or our world. Uh, we don't rightly rule under God's ultimate rule. And we don't rightly reflect God's image to the world. Uh, whom, uh, yeah, we don't rightly reflect the God who made us. And while we remain inherently valuable because we are made in God's image, we're broken people who need to be made whole. We're rebels who need to be rescued. 
we are sinners who need to be saved. And our rebellion against God is no minor thing. It's to betray him who made us, him who sustains us, him who loves us. It's to say to the giver of life, we don't want you. We'd rather go it alone, even though that means death. At the heart of this rebellion, our rebellion, is us forsaking God. Us not wanting God, not wanting anything to do with him, and so rejecting him. And for our rejection of God, we deserve his righteous judgment. The just punishment for us forsaking God is God forsaking us. We deserve to be forsaken by God for our acts of forsaking him. And the state of being forsaken by God is what hell is. And it's what Jesus went through on the cross. Uh, Maybe you're wondering, how can Jesus be forsaken by God? He's one with the Father and the Spirit. That's a great question. And to answer it, we need to make a distinction between being and relationship. Jesus never stops being God. God never stops being three in one. But Jesus really was forsaken by God. How? Well, the forsakenness that Jesus endured is that of relational forsakenness, not a ripping apart of the Trinity. Uh, The Bible speaks of it as Jesus drinking the cup of God's wrath. He bore the judgment deserved by others in their place. So by God, Jesus was forsaken. But why? Why? What, What did Jesus being forsaken by God achieve? And this brings us to our final point, forsaken to forgive. Jesus was forsaken that we might be forgiven. Soon we're going to sing a song in Christ alone and and towards the the end of of it, we'll sing these words. Since the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Jesus took the judgment that we deserve on the cross so that we can go free. Uh, We've spoken of how Jesus was forsaken by humanity, how he was forsaken by God. And now we see why he was forsaken. He was forsaken to forgive. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Why was he forsaken? What, what What did he achieve? Jesus went to the cross to save sinners like me and like you, like all of us, to rescue rebels like us, to forgive those who deserve to be forsaken. Jesus was forsaken to forgive. He was abandoned to adopt. He was rejected to rescue. By going to the cross, Jesus paid the debt owed to God by all who believe in him. And he paid with the infinite price of his blood shed on the cross. And in doing so, Jesus opened the only way for reconciliation between God and humanity that of him being forsaken to forgive. We see the temple curtain be torn in two and we can now be in perfect relationship with God because of Jesus. We've, we've already mentioned that we all deserve to be forsaken for our rebellion against God. We've also mentioned that Jesus, the perfect king, did not deserve to be forsaken at all. So before us, we have the most important choice we will ever make. 
and the two options have eternal consequences. They spell the difference between forever enduring what we deserve, uh, the forsakenness, um, agony in hell, or forever enjoying the beauty of Jesus in heaven that we don't deserve being forgiven. And it all has to do with how we respond to Jesus. If we reject Jesus, then we will be forsaken and under God's judgment forever. But if we put our trust in Jesus, then he was forsaken for us on the cross. He took our forsakenness that we deserve and he took the death that we deserve and he died it. And so instead of us being forsaken, we can be forgiven. Through Jesus being forsaken, we can be forgiven. That's what love really looks like. God's amazing love for this world, that he would come and that the Lord Jesus, who is God himself, would go to that cross in our place, dying our death that we deserved, so that he would take what we deserve and instead give us what we don't deserve, life forever with him. Either we ourselves will be forsaken or Jesus was forsaken for us and we're forgiven. Please don't reject Jesus. There's a reason that God has you sitting here this morning, hearing about Jesus and the love that he has for you. I urge you, take the free gift of forgiveness that Jesus is offering. Don't be forsaken. Rather, trust Jesus who was forsaken for you and be forgiven. It is so sweet. It's such a relief. It's a joy. It's a privilege. It's the greatest gift ever offered. Receive Jesus and the forgiveness he alone offers today. When we look at the cross and the forsakenness Jesus endured, we see the reality of our rebellion against God and the just punishment for it. But that's not all we see. We see the depths of God's love. That Jesus Christ, who is God, would go to the cross in our place. That Jesus Christ would be forsaken by humanity, forsaken by God, and forsaken to forgive. Put your trust in Jesus today. Be forgiven, not forsaken. We need to acknowledge that we deserve that forsakenness and trust that Jesus took it in our place. And if you'd like to put your trust in Jesus now, or perhaps you want to recommit your life to him, maybe you've been living a bit of a wayward life and you want to come back to Jesus, please come and see me after the service. It would be my utmost privilege to walk you through uh, giving your life to Jesus, um, to hand, handing everything over to him. Uh, I would love to encourage you to pray with you and to walk you through putting your trust in the one who was forsaken to forgive us, Jesus Christ. He loves us. He's good. He's kind. And he showed real love by coming to die for us. Trust him today.